0: happy holidays i'm ryan back
1: and i'm nicole barlow
0: and this is soundtrack your life today returning to the podcast of scott and Toronto of this is the greatest song that i've ever heard in my entire life hey scott hey thanks so much for having me we are so happy to have you back uh if you remember scott was our guest for our For our October episode on music and lyrics. Yes. But today we are going to talk about a holiday film. And that is going to be the 2003 John Favreau film, Elf. So, uh, why are we talking about Elf today? (laughs) Well, it's Christmas time. It is. So, um, this is considered a new holiday classic. Does anyone oppose to that title?
1: No. No, No, firm. no, this is an amazing movie. It holds up. Brian was saying he hasn't watched this movie in five, six years. I watch it every year, standard fare, in my household, always on when I'm wrapping gifts. Um, This is truly like a holiday classic that I think hits all the high notes, and I firmly believe that it's going to stand the test of time. White Christmas, don't need it. Elf, absolutely crave it. (laughs) Wow need it
2: yeah i I was almost gonna um uh quibble with new you know I mean this is yeah. like 2003 it's almost um 20 years old you know yeah. it's part of the canon now
1: yeah I elf is um not as new as we want to believe it is sadly <laughs> <laughs> feeling my age a little bit I consider elf a little slice of magic. Uh, I know that we're not quite kicked off yet, but I have a really wonderful story about the DMV and Elf. It's really short. Can I tell it? Sure. Very brief. Okay, so uh, I... Oh, sorry. This is actually about jury duty, but same thing in my mind. They just got inverted. (laughs) Jury duty. I got summoned for jury duty, and I had read this thing where if you sign up to go to jury duty to report, like right around a holiday, that there's a like more likely chance that you're going to get set free because nobody wants to be there so i scheduled my jury duty for uh i don't know maybe like three days before christmas let's call it december 22nd. go into the santa Ana courthouse sit with all of my cohorts in like the big chairs and there are two giant screens that are meant to you know entertain you with probably something terrible while you wait to find out your fate and whether or not you're going to be on a jury for the rest of your life And the screens are playing Elf because it's Christmas. And I watch probably three quarters of the movie Elf. And then a bailiff steps out of a little door and says to everyone, there are no more judges today. Everyone is let go. You're all free. And literally the crowd, as we're watching Elf, breaks into cheers, starts throwing scarves and hats like over their (laughs) shoulders. And we all exit the Santa Ana courthouse at like the same time. A Christmas miracle. And I I feel like I have Elf to thank for that.
2: Wow. See, I thought you were going to say you all stayed in the waiting room and watched the end of Elf.
1: That would have been a better story, and now (laughs) I feel like I should have lied about it, Scott. (laughs) That's actually the ending. That's what Scott said. Right. It's the Hollywood ending.
0: Well, so to kick this off in an appropriate manner, I think, um, (laughs) let's start with Buddy the Elf, what's your favorite color?
2: Wow. Am I, should I go first?
0: You are the guest.
2: Okay, so my favorite color is Cerulean, a beautiful shade of blue. And that's that's been my answer since I was, like, very young, and it still holds true.
1: That is a very Devil Wears Prada answer, Scott.
2: <laughs> you know what? It, it was, it, it predated Devil Wears Prada, my answer for this. Um but that has made it like, has like added a new layer to it but it was really there was like a specific crayola crayon that was a cerulean that was just perfect and i like to be a little annoying instead of saying blue i'll just be like cerulean
1: i mean it's very specific it's yeah. you can't confuse it with just normal pedestrian exactly. Exactly. Uh, mine is orange mine is orange orange makes me uh feel happy
0: nice. is it because you grew up in orange county
1: uh, we're the no. It's despite that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm that Orange County core that I'm like, you know what? Everything about me is basically based in how I'm from Orange County. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Oh, that's gonna come back up. Later. It's,
1: it's of... gonna haunt me now. It's gonna haunt my ass that I said orange, <laughs> but it really, truly is my favorite color. I think it's uh, it's very bright and happy. It suits my personality. Brian.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm between colors because apparently if I also like blue my daughter goes no I like blue and then I have to pick a different color. (laughs) Um, Maybe I should go minus cerulean and then she'll be like huh and I'll be
1: like. (laughs) And then we can both
0: have blue.
1: Yeah really true.
0: I would say uh, you know green. Green is a great color. Mm -hmm.
1: Green is a great color.
0: Especially around this time of year. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in Minnesota, so lots of trees. Yeah. Like Buddy the Elf. So it's uh, interesting. The soundtrack went gold. Um, it doesn't feature like any new songs, but it also doesn't like hit you over the head with Christmas music, if that makes sense. That was what I
2: thought was interesting on this rewatch, you know, knowing I was talking about it with you guys is like, So I was thinking more about the soundtrack, and there's a lot of, like, not Christmas songs. You know, you have Pennies from Heaven, and then it's not on the soundtrack, but the um, Frank Sinatra song, uh, You Make Me Feel So Young is in there as well, Um, which, like, they both have that same kind of, like, jazzy sound that a lot of the older Christmas songs have, but they're not actually Christmas songs. Um, And I think that gives it like a, I don't know, it feels almost more like just an old school movie soundtrack rather than a Christmas movie soundtrack. Although the CD version does have, it's mostly Christmas songs.
1: And I think that's part of why this movie feels both in, like completely out of time, right? It's almost hard for me to even place it in 2003 because it's so classic and so eternal and they do such a beautiful job of capturing like prototypical um, Christmas time in New York, mm-hmm. right? It could be Miracle on 34th Street. is just as easily as it could be a movie from, from 2003, really. With, or Home Alone 2. Or yeah. Home Alone 2.
0: <laughs> Yeah.
2: Well, they even, you know, they set it in Gimbals, which is a store that hasn't existed in New York since, like, the 80s, so.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right, totally. And So like, I think that's, uh, it's very intentionally set to, I think, endure that time test of, uh, we don't want this to be a Christmas movie that's like flash in the pan, Hallmark style, you know, where you know exactly when it's made. The classic mm-hmm. songs in this film, I think really, really lend to that. And uh, I think in hindsight, you know, great that this doesn't have one of those like Michael Buble type Christmas plays <laughs> on the soundtrack because I think that would really date it. It would it would make it um, an inferior film to, to what it is.
0: Yeah. Yeah, like when um, he calls James Conn on his cell phone, I was like, oh, there's cell phones in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. You know, one of the interesting things about this movie is like how I feel like it's launched a lot of careers. Like, I think Will Ferrell is already kind of a big deal at this point, but Mm -hmm. you know, Jon Favreau is now like the overlord of the Star Wars universe, and he is the architect of the mcu kind of yeah you know amy sedaris i feel like this is why she's in the mandalorian is like she hit up favreau and was like hey you're doing star wars i want it
1: i didn't even think of that connection you're so right yeah
0: amy sedaris is so funny in this movie
2: so
1: good so good i
0: mean she's so good (laughs) in everything
1: she's so good in everything because she turns these little minor roles into like her roles. She just has a knack for like, you are not going to forget that part with Amy Sedaris in any given film. She's so Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so we were also talking about Peter Dinklage is in this film, like a great minor part in this film. So funny. Pre Game of Thrones, Peter Dinklage, right? Like, Mm -hmm. um, maybe more like station agent era Peter Dinklage. He was on like the come up, but it's, it's such a good film. And of course, I think we're tiptoeing around like the true breakout star of this film, which would be uh, pre property brothers, Zoe Deschanel. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. A blonde, blonde. Zoe Deschanel. Yeah.
1: A bl- an unrecognizable blonde and bangless Zoe yeah. Deschanel.
0: An unquirky Zoe Deschanel.
1: It's like he and you know. who? Like we, who even is unrecognizable
2: until she starts singing though, and then you're like, oh right, yeah, that's that's Zoe Deschanel,
1: right?
0: Yeah, so I think before this, she had she had a small part in Almost Famous as Mm -hmm. um, his sister, but not she wasn't Amy Sedaris in that movie where you're like, oh, I really remember the sister. And I,
1: I want to know how you guys feel about this, but I feel like her role in this film is maybe the best execution of the Zoe Deschanel twee charm offensive. Like, I feel like it, she works in this movie without having to um, overdo it or or go to that like manic pixie dream girl caricature.
2: Yeah, I feel like. I was thinking a lot about that on this viewing, um, and I think part of it works is because she still has her kind of quirky sensibility, but she's not the quirky one. The quirky one is the elf, is Will Ferrell, yeah. you know. So she can yeah, like she's a, straight a little, in This movie, yeah, she's she yeah, can play it a little bit point. more straight, but still have kind of a fun energy. I think ultimately, though, I don't think we get enough of her in this movie. Um, like, I don't really know why she's interested in Buddy the Elf other than him complimenting her singing that one time, you know? Um, I just well, feel like we could have gotten a little bit... But but it's like, it, ultimately, it's not a romantic comedy, so we don't spend enough time with that. But so it makes me feel like I don't know enough about her character, really.
1: So Scott, I think we were talking about uh, how the relationship between Buddy the Elf and Zoe Deschanel's character is maybe not explained.
2: Yeah. Also, her name is
0: Jovi. Yes. What's up with that?
1: Is it some kind of nod to like, we're jovial or joyful I at Christmas, guess. and a weird ass name?
0: And it's never like, oh, it's short for blank. Or I was named after blank. It's like, my name is Jovi. And I guess because he's buddy, he's just like, OK. He
1: doesn't care. He doesn't know. It's got to be some kind of cutscene. Where she explains what you know, why she hates Christmas because she was named after something Christmas. Where's the
0: three-hour director's cut, Favreau?
1: Release the Favreau cut.
0: Where we can see her dingy apartment and why the water's out. I did notice she's eating like ramen on like Christmas Eve by herself. So it's like, oh
1: her like rat trap, sad New York apartment. I think really um, what you're meant to believe is that (laughs) somehow Buddy the Elf represents some weird lighthearted escape from the doldrums of her terrible life as a department store elf, Uh, which again, like why you would be interested in this incredibly chaotic, possibly mentally ill person (laughs) that's pursuing you, kind of weird. I think we're meant not to interrogate it too closely uh, you're just meant to know that, like, they like the same Christmas song that she sings in the shower. <laughs> oh, you also know, baby, it's cold outside.
2: Yeah, there could be a whole different movie from her perspective of this, like, depressed minimum wage worker in New York who meets this, you know, wild guy who shakes up her life.
0: In- or it would just be like the Christmas version of uh, Dancer in the Dark. just yeah. completely. <laughs> dark. <laughs> The most
1: depressing thing I've ever heard. <laughs> uh, no one take that suggestion seriously. The Christmas community does not need that.
0: But yeah, I, I, you know, it it is it was cringe then, and it is even more cringe now that he just like walks into the women's shower and just like sits on by the sinks and just starts singing with her.
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, I guess that's kind of the point, right? Like he just doesn't understand boundaries because he's in elf from the north pole like yeah, when he tries to like, hold james con's hand
2: yeah <laughs> but presumably they have you know gender separated showers in the north pole with the elves right like he should still understand
0: yeah
1: it really does you know what scott it really <laughs> yeah. does raise a lot of questions about yeah. elves more than anything else um elf mating rituals right. and procreation and things yeah. like that yeah right. they definitely
0: skirt around it because papa elf is like oh i was just too busy to like settle down right so it doesn't like, you know... right. <laughs> oh let's talk about uh bob newhart so
1: oh, i'm sorry you don't want to talk about elf sex more <laughs> can, <laughs> we're not going to stay on that topic okay
0: I think it's no, going to lead to a lot of like feeling gross at the end of this conversation. <laughs> we'll
1: just call that. It's a yeah. awesome yeah. holiday. Um,
0: so uh, I think part of the reason that this movie is so magical is you have Bob Newhart as Papa Elf and you have James Caan as Will Ferrell's biological dad, Walter Hawks. Mm-hmm. The late James Caan.
2: Late, yeah, rest in peace. Although I was... This is... Saying something about my movie viewing habits, but I'm fairly sure the only James conn films I've seen are Elf and Misery.
1: Uh, no Godfather. I've never seen
0: Godfather.
1: I, I'm going to make a hor- a horrible. I feel like this is just I shouldn't even have a podcast of any kind. But I've also yeah.
0: never I seen haven't it. seen three.
1: And every year I tell myself I'm gonna marathon it and I'm gonna eat spaghetti <laughs> and sit on the couch and watch all of the Godfather, but I have to confess to you yeah, guys I've, I've never seen a actually lot, seen it. Like
2: of it when it's on TV at Thanksgiving or whatever, you know, but I've never like sat down and watched the whole thing. Any of them.
1: Right. right. I know about the horse head in the bed and you know, the whole leave the gun and take the cannoli <laughs> business, but I feel like a bad um cinema person yeah. to have never watch these films so i am kind of james con illiterate but i do think that he's um really perfect in this movie
0: uh he is great as a cranky old man Mm -hmm. i mean he's always been kind of like a tough guy right like he's like he's one of the Corleones, and yeah i and you know he he has a reputation and apparently he hates doing interviews so when he passed away and people were you know eulogizing him on twitter someone posted up an interview he did with playboy and um he's friends with Al- with mel brooks and part of the quote is he goes this shouldn't come as a surprise the schmucks like you to work with no offense as my friend mel brooks said in his playboy interview to another one of the assholes oops there i go again sorry and then at the end of the interview when like the guy was like you know like talking to me wasn't so bad right and uh James Conn ends it with no thanks to you shit face. <laughs> wow.
1: So in Elf, he's, so he's really with just Elf kind of playing is kind of what we yeah. yeah. He didn't have to read too far, okay. it sounds like
0: always on the naughty list. We... James Conn, if you were still around with Noble, track your life or <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or your podcast. Guy.
1: Now he would literally call yeah. us all shit faces. And... Because
0: I'd be like, what's your favorite color, James Con And he'd be like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite color is
1: fun. Um,
2: Another fun casting, obviously, Ed Asner as Santa Claus. is wonderful. Yes. Um, but then we also have Peter Billingsley as one of the elves. I think Ming Ming is his name. Peter Billingsley from uh, A Christmas Story.
0: Oh
1: yeah which is like sort of a little bit of a uh, little bit of yeah. stunt casting there and I think which he is and,
2: and john favreau are Winter. just like very good friends and so he's he's in some of other favreau's movies um i think he's also in four christmases um and yeah so good good for him christmas royalty
0: and, and it's weird like i didn't grow up understanding bob newhart's like comedy like, I think he had a show when I was, like, a kid. But, like, it was so, like, heartwarming yeah. to see him on screen as Papa Elf. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Same. I think, uh, for once, everyone on this podcast is too young to remember Peak yeah. Newhart. But he's such a charming, sweet... Uh, unassuming man with this really like wonderful vocal cadence. Like there's something about the way he delivers lines that I just find very charming. Um and sweet. And so he's perfect in this role. I think the other part of this movie that I've always really loved is that kind of weird uh, like Rankin bass and like stop motion yeah. animation weaving that they yeah. do. I can't tell you how many times in my life I've thought about the mm-hmm. narwhal scene <laughs> where there's like Narwhal like that comes out of the ice. It's like bye buddy, hope you find your dad.
2: Isn't it crazy that narwhals are
1: real? <laughs> That's why it's a fun scene, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. You don't expect like a narwhal to crack out of the ice. They're barely even real. They're unicorns of the sea. Yeah. It shouldn't exist.
2: It should not exist. But yeah, all of that stuff shouldn't is really be the, the aesthetic of that first, you know, whatever twenty minutes when they're in the North Pole is really a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, all that forced perspective where Will Ferrell is just like sitting in <laughs> tiny chairs um, ha- has like so much is really mined for maximum sitting on Bob Newhart's lap potential. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, to- sitting <laughs> you know, on Bob Newhart's lap. And because we haven't we haven't addressed it directly, um, this is far and away my Will Ferrell movie, mm-hmm. my my favorite Will Ferrell movie. I think this is much like with Zoe Deschanel. I think it's kind of the best the best use of all the things that he does really well.
0: Yeah. And I think he brings out. a lot of Buddy the Elf into um his character in Stranger Than Fiction. Oh yeah.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Similar. Similar just kind of like, I don't know, childlike sort of approach to things, but You should hate Buddy the Elf. I think we're all kind of Zoe Deschanel's character in sense. We're like, you should think that this is absolutely bonkers and be against it. But you can't hate him because he's just too awestruck by everything. So you really do come around to his perspective on things. I do. I mean, yeah. (laughs) No, let me tell
2: you. (laughs) Well, no, I I I don't disagree, but he is annoying sometimes. Like him, you know, he. Jumping across the desk to like answer the phone right away, it's like, come on, man, just chill.
0: <laughs> but he a does say buddy, chill. what's your favorite yeah, But No, you're right. He he his greeting on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> Smiling yeah. to
1: my favorite is also a great line. And then obviously
2: home. the you know, the scene with Peter Dinklage, which we'll talk about more later. But that is sort of like, hey, buddy, yeah. come on, read the room. Jeez. Like you're not
0: in the North Pole anymore.
1: Right, and I mean it's meant to be that. Right. Yeah, it's meant to be that. It's meant to be the moment where you're like, okay, yeah. too far. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, there's that cynical part of me that when for when they go on their date, and he blindfolds her and gives her that cup of coffee, like, what person is like, <laughs> wait, did you just roof me? Like, why are you giving me this terrible <laughs> coffee?
1: I do think now that we're uh, unpacking it a little bit, I think if there were ever an argument for straight women having really low standards, this would be that (laughs) argument.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he's just tall, so.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Is he good or is he just tall is also a whole other question.
0: Because doesn't the date for most people end there? Like, you blindfolded me and gave me like, this whatever's cup of coffee. Like, am I going to start hallucinating?
1: But it's the world's best cup of coffee. Don't you know?
0: Yeah. You Congratulations, guys. <laughs> I've totally forgot about that scene.
1: No one emulate this, I think, is what we're trying to say. Like, maybe don't try any of this. So time.
0: did you know that this yeah. script has been kicking around in development since the, like, early 90s? And that it was originally, wow. uh, it was supposed to be Chris Farley as, it, as Buddy the
1: <gasps> No!
0: That would be fun, but it was going to be like a much more like PG thirteen sort of script.
1: I don't see it because I feel like he wouldn't bring that. Okay, I do see it, but I don't see it because I think it would be a much edgier film somehow.
0: Yeah, Um, yeah, I don't think Chris Farley can do PG.
1: No, no, I feel like Buddy would be like snorting coke, thinking it was. (laughs) I mean, it's
0: possible. (laughs) Yes, it was definitely like a PG thirteen script before, you know, it started going through rewrites and Jon Favreau found it.
1: That is fascinating. So Favreau plucked this out of obscurity somehow and said, I have a vision.
0: Um, I think he was asked to do it and kind of didn't want to do it till it came. became more of this wholesome, magical, like let's go back to like the stop motion animation days. Like he was... Uh, he tried to use as little CGI as possible. He wanted this to kind of feel like it came from, you know, the old Frosty the Snowman era of of uh, Christmas. Yeah. Spirit.
1: I, you know, I kind of, yeah. I love this. First of all, it's brand new information for me. I love that he uh, rescued it from this like kind of cynical machine that I think a lot of Christmas entertainment tends to be from. Cause come on, like they're every year they're, is so much stuff that gets unloaded and it's so bad. Has anyone watched the Lindsay Lohan Christmas movie on Netflix? I feel like that's got to be a really good example. Yes. You're like, yes I have. (laughs)
2: Yeah, I have. Um, Yeah, I feel like I find a lot of charm in the bad Christmas movies like the Hallmark stuff, but I can really only do maybe two or three a season. I don't need to do like 10 to 15 of them you know
1: it's like junk food you know you're not gonna binge on yeah. the junk food for two weeks you're gonna binge on junk food for for a night and i love a terrible film don't mistake me right uh <laughs> but you know there is there comes time in the holiday season in the rotation when you just want to watch something great and this is i think something great
0: yeah yeah i think we can all agree on that but let's talk about this Baby, It's Cold Outside cover featuring Zoe Deschanel. At a couple years, this song be- became a hot topic for uh, one of its lines. <laughs> so maybe they wouldn't have chosen that if they were making Elf again in 2022.
2: Yeah, that's one of those discourses that has yeah. like wrapped oh. in on itself so many times. And it's just, I feel like I've come saying like, who cares, you know,
1: that's me too. And I care about so many things like way more than I should. And this is one of those situations where I'm like, eh, I think we got bigger problems than baby it's cold outside. Um, Which, you know, maybe in, I think it depends on the context too, especially when it's being performed as part of a film. Like there's a contextual thing that that sort of matters and the way that uh, it's being, delivered contextualized all kind of adds up to like does this suck and is it predatory (laughs) or is it kind of like an innocent Christmas song from like a bygone era I like to view it the second way so at least we can kind of keep it as something that we're allowed to enjoy as part of the film elf I would be fascinated to know if this is part of the rotation for either the Zoe Deschanel or the She and Him Christmas uh, kind of a review because, you know, she's made like an entire career off of being like Christmas girl. Right. Like essentially like that. This is like the biggest selling, at least um, what I've been told by my record store cohorts is that every year the She and Him Christmas album is the thing that sells the most. That thing has been selling like hotcakes yeah. for like a decade. They
2: definitely do it. Um I think it's on because they put out I a think few it's of three, them. Yeah. um I think it might be on the first one. But I'm pretty if I remember correctly, they flip it. Um the genders. So M Ward mm. is singing like what is traditionally the girl. Okay.
0: Band. So let's dive into she and him, because this is gonna get very interesting. Ooh, okay. <clears throat> so so um
1: gonna get spicy now
0: so jean favreau in an interview said that he didn't actually know that Zoe Deschanel was a good singer just thought she was an actress and she i think originally wasn't supposed to sing as much as she does in the movie until he realized like oh you're really good um and then what she and him started in like 2008 right i think that's when the first record dropped that feels right and i remember very yeah i remember not being mad about it when like yeah. announced and it like made sense. Like she has kind of this warm, like kind of jazzy throwback voice. M Ward is like a perfect foil for her to do that. It didn't seem as vanity as a lot of other actresses, you know, foraying into music. And I think right around this time, uh, Scarlett Johansson dropped an album which featured a bunch of Tom Woods yeah. covers. I love that you're
1: connecting those two things, by the
0: way. I, because I remember thinking about. Like, I I think that's why I was, like, pro-She and him at first. I was like, oh, at least, like, it makes sense what Zoe's doing, like, this Tom Waits, Dave Siddick-produced album spin at the time, which is really a shitty thing to say compared to Scarlett Johansson's voice to uh, the guy from Crash (laughs) Test Dummies.
1: I feel like that's a very harsh and specifically, like, early 2000s criticism of an actress-gone singer, um... So I think it's maybe partly fair, but also partly like how can you not like be automatically predisposed to dumping on that? Just yeah. on the premise of it.
0: Right. So like Zoe's career up until that point felt very well curated and I was like a fan of it. I was like, Hitchhiker's Guide was great. Um, dude, she married uh, Ben Gibbard from Deathcap for Cute, like, that makes mm-hmm. sense. That like, went well. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> um, so uh, you know, it was I was very pro Zoe, even like as she was doing 500 Days of Summer and stuff. But like at some point, like it kind of flipped. And I remember um, it was 2010, and I was going to go see uh, the first pavement reunion at the, um, at the Fox Theater in Pomona. And um, I remember I was meeting up with my friend Chris and his friend Francis. And I hadn't met Francis before. And then a couple of our other friends joined us in line later. And all of a sudden, she and him flipped into this punch line where um, our friend Venus comes up. He goes, hey, Francis. And then she goes, you're in the wrong line. She and him is across the block for the glasses. Because <laughs> she and him and Pavement were playing the same night. And in Pomona, these two venues are like uh, like a couple blocks apart. Yeah. And the first thing that Venus said was, Francis, she and him is on the other side. This is the Pavement line. And like all of a sudden, it was like, like in two years, like she and him had become this punchline of like, yeah, like you don't listen to good music or like. Well, I think that whole like very twee no, era serious,
2: became you know? such a uh, a punchline just in general, and there is she in particular, and she and him is just like the epitome of that, you know, of like the twee-est of the twee. Yeah
1: twist of the Twee, yeah. the twee topper <laughs> on, the, on the christmas twee uh by the way i really like the like visual image of the two concert lines in pomona between she and him and pavement getting yeah. like all west side story like the cross from each other you know people start like i don't know pulling out vinyl records trying to slice <laughs> each other sounds great yeah i think i think that's what it is i think eventually if something sticks around long enough there's always a backlash um, something becomes like popular in that like blow up ubiquitous kind of way and then you kind of start to sour on it. So it's partly that. And I think you can't really survive on that much recycling for that long. Because it's it's very recycled, you know, it's a formula. They've done the same thing with these She and Him Christmas albums and with the She and Him premise in general for a really long time. I kinda had hope, like a vain hope for a moment that Zoë Deschanel's like original solo album might turn into something greater. I don't know if anyone remembers that of me, but there were a couple of like original songs um, that she made early on that I, I thought had like real promise. I think maybe she never really felt committed to her career as a singer and instead just kind of went the easy route of, well, this is like making me money hand over fist and who could blame her, right? It's a formula that yeah. works.
0: Yeah, she doesn't want to be People playing, like, them. small cafes. She wants to she wants to be playing, like, legit venues. She, no. So it's like, well, guess we got to turn another Christmas album.
1: And I think, like, you know, she's not, she doesn't strike me as uh, the kind of artist that's, like, I really want to grow as an artist. I think she's just kind of, like, a torch singer who is also an actress. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Like, that has its place. And she has made a mint off of it. Uh, Not that long ago, I was staying at the Ace Hotel in downtown LA for something completely unrelated and they have a theater adjacent to the hotel, theater, this must have been last Christmas, theater was um, hosting the She and Him Christmas and the line was just, it basically looked like how we look now and you guys can't see us but we're all wearing like ridiculous light up (laughs) Christmas hats and like reindeer ears. Okay, so that was the line. So people were cosplaying as, like, her character, Jovi from Elf. They were dressed in, like, the Elf costume from the Gimbal's department store. Like, they brought their moms. Like, it's kind of cute, but it's also mm-hmm. kind of a lot. That was what was happening outside that show.
2: It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, they've got this whole niche for themselves, this whole thing. I feel like there's so many... Um, I mean, I know Ingrid Michaelson is in, like, that same kind of vein and does the same thing, like, does a big Christmas thing every year, and, like, I mean, sometimes you gotta just go where the money is, so, (laughs) no shame.
0: Yeah, I'm not anti-Christmas shows, like, Ingy Mann does a really cool one where she Mm -hmm. uh, does uh, the Grinch that stole Christmas song at the end, and uh, she does kind of a variety show sort of thing. The New Standards in Minneapolis do a big, like, jazzy sort of thing with uh, guests and dancers and stuff. You know, I'm, I'm not so cynical that I can't enjoy a good Christmas show. I just I just have a very complicated relationship with uh, she and him and I, I think it can be best explained by this very specific joke that I read on Twitter. I really wish I remember, like I bookmarked it. Um, and this is going to incorporate, this is like a very specific joke that I think Maybe only the two of you would understand. But this person wrote, and this was about Gwen Stefani, said, uh, Gwen Stefani used to be the cool punk girl, and then she married, ended up marrying a conservative, conservative man named Blake. How Orange County of them. And, and I feel like that is Zooey Chanel. how she was like the cool indie girl, and she ends up with one of the Property Brothers, and I don't care which one it is, just one of them. Yeah right it,
1: it doesn't,
0: doesn't matter. matter i'm not I sure i refuse she to
1: that. learn yeah. who either of them are individually <laughs> yeah i don't it's not something that i'm going to let enter my but Zoe is
0: just indie one stefan just ends up disappointing us well, all
1: yeah that i think that's fair uh I, not that she's beholden to like what we think but i've also always kind of felt that she is one of those people in entertainment that knew her personal brand and that did things that suited that personal brand best at the time, right? So not to say that maybe her and Ben Gibbard were like absolutely head over heels in love, but can you imagine like a more suitable (laughs) match for somebody like her than marrying the motherfucking lead singer of Death Cab for Cutie? Like, come on. Like, is it real or is it just something that fits her brand? Because obviously they did not last.
0: Yeah.
1: And he did write an entire album about their, the you know, how their relationship crashed and burned. So I'm pretty sure he doesn't feel great about it. Um, and that album, Kitsuguni, I think, uh, also kind of indicates that maybe there were aspects of it that he felt were very false. Right. Not to take his side. I don't know what went on between the two of them. Boat. But I, yeah, also, like, men suck. Fair sorry the two men on this podcast you <laughs> guys are great but men oftentimes have so who knows i'm sure they both have a lot of problems but at the same time i can see it just mean it, there's a cynical view on it that you can take that's easy to yeah it's, it's not it's not hard to like her here in 2023 or not easy maybe to like her yeah as he has as a, there's
0: that there's that depth tab song no room in Frame for two that is Dude. a pretty pretty
1: uh like yeah. ouch Like, literally, like, you shoved me out of the way Mm -hmm. on red carpets, the song.
0: Is it weird that she just basically turned into the character from 500 Days of Summer?
2: Yeah.
1: Well, you know what cracks me up the most (laughs) is this kind of, like, trajectory that she's had to being, like, I don't know, some kind of weird HGTV celebrity where it's like, Zoe Deschanel makes crafts for your home. I feel like that's kind of her wheelhouse now, that she does less acting and more um, appearances. Yeah,
0: she's
2: a total, like...
0: It's kind of like John Legend, how John Legend is, like, almost more famous for, like, him and Chrissy Teigen being together than actually making music.
1: Uh, absolutely. Like, she's kind of post-career, almost, where she is just kind of known for the things that she's done, but she's not necessarily producing anything new which is honestly too bad because I do think that she's a good actress and she's really effective in certain parts I think maybe you just sometimes get stuck in your own uh, legend and that's kind of where she's at
0: yeah I mean I I really enjoyed New Girl though
1: New Girl great
0: I don't know if i always enjoy her
1: well you know ups and downs right like I think uh, the further that she could step away from her persona, I think the better off she would be, but it, it would be a huge risk. If instead, she's kind of decided to coast on the goodwill of what she built as the OG Manic Pixie yeah. Dream Girl. Because she is that. You can't take <laughs> that away from her. So many playlists. So many Coffee House Tweet playlists.
0: Yeah, and back- well, they've backlash pretty hard against the whole trope of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. So maybe she feels like Hollywood is mad
1: at her. So if and I mean, to... she responsible for that? No, like she didn't write those parts. But I think at a certain point, she definitely um, became one with that fictional. Yeah. Persona. You
2: know what? Just like we should get back to talking about elves. But um, the <laughs> um, the the movie that I think don't gets enough doesn't get enough credit as being like the most obnoxious version of the manic pixie dream girl uh, with Zoe Deschanel is Yes Man with Jim Carrey, I don't know if you have ever seen that film. It's not good. Um, or, I'm sorry, Yes, is it Yes Man or Yes Day or something? Yes Man, it's, yeah. Yes Man, um, it is Yes Man. She's, Ryan? yeah, she's like the most Manic Pixie Dream Girl in that. Um, and it's just, it's a
0: rough, it's a rough watch. I mean, that movie yeah. is a rough watch for many different reasons. <laughs> Ryan, you're not a
1: fan
0: i mean i i get it um i think it is it is effective as a jim carrey comedy it is a even rougher watch for me because he tries to learn korean in that movie so i have to listen to jim carrey try to speak korean
2: oh yeah
1: (laughs) right i sometimes i just fall down on jim carrey should not
0: yeah
1: period the hanks but but no
0: hanks jim carrey um
1: there's (laughs) hanks but no hanks but again, like Jim Carrey, and and there are Will Ferrell movies that I prefer over the top for me. But both of them have their their sweet spots. Elf is a it's a just a Goldilocks planet of a movie. Everything is perfect. All conditions are right. Everyone in this movie is at their peak. I think.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that whole end scene, like where they're all collectively like having to sing, um, "Santa Claus is coming to town," right, so that Santa's sleigh will fly. Um, you describe that the way that I just did, and that sounds stupid as hell, but it is so so satisfying and lovely. Uh, and you do kind of believe that, you know, Zoe Deschanel with her kind of like shy using her voice to sing, like it all works and is very effective and. Very great climax for that movie. Yeah, a great use of the song. Yeah,
0: and for a movie that I've already seen before, the fact that it still kind of hit, you know, it hits all those marks, and then you still feel the way that they intend for you to feel. You know, that's uh, it's not easy to do.
1: It's not easy to do, and and that's the thing is that like many have tried and failed, and there are so many Christmas movies. Um, And and so many of them, I think, are either deeply flawed in the way that love actually is, right? Um, Or or they're, you know, shoddy products that are put together like really fast and, you know, maybe not the quality that they should be. I think I know this movie is older than it is because it already feels like something from kind of like a bygone era, like a pre-streaming... You know box office like real legitimate movie now i sound like (laughs) harry styles talking about don't worry darling i like it because it's it's like a movie movie. it feels like a movie yeah yeah you know there's a lot of
0: care that john Favreau put into the film which is crazy because this is like his first like big budget movie as a director
1: yes and you know what like deserves his career on the basis of how successful this film turned out i think
2: what was this a big
0: hit? Right yeah, I think the, the budget was right? 33 million and it made 254 or something like that. Jeez,
2: yeah, good for them.
0: And, like, you know, as we were saying, like the casting is so perfect, you know, from Ed Asner, Santa Claus, to Matt Walsh showing up for 10 seconds to, to be super yeah. weird. Mary Steen, we haven't even talked about
1: Mary Steen. Oh. I love that woman. She is like flawless yeah. in everything she's does. She's in. like America's mom. She's like, yeah. not even, I don't know. She's like America's like, just like hot, cool mom. I love her so much. She is amazing to me. Mary Steenburgen, you're in a class of your own. You are eternal. Yeah, she's yeah. kind
0: of the, the person that grounds the movie. Like everything is chaotic, but she's like, you know, like he is your son. <laughs>
1: by the way uh, why she married James Bond's character is like a whole different story like how he's like pulling any chicks in the universe of this movie is something different
0: and the fact that she's like excited to find out that he had this long lost son oh you have another son that's so great and he's like what
1: yeah yeah, very
0: healthy reaction yeah
1: very healthy reaction but, but once again I think some more evidence that like straight women don't have a lot of options (laughs) <laughs> yeah. they're not really winning in this film
2: yeah but no there must be some you know we obviously get dropped into james Kahn's life as like a very uh angry uh bitter man but you know at some point he must have been charming you know they allude to you know he's like a hippie playing a guitar in the picture with he and uh buddy the elf's mom and True. um he somehow works in children's book publishing, you know. So I feel there's more going on to his story. True.
1: That's true. Um, you're right. Uh, it, there's got to be something that like hardened him. Maybe that's also in the Favreau cut. Yeah. <laughs> like where he had his heel turn or something. So that's a great point, Scott, that there is this kind of like hippie flower child sort of implication to like maybe he was chill at one point and he is decidedly unchill now.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's uh, quite a lot missing if you really want to think about it, but the movie works where you don't. And that's part of the movie magic. Right. It's like, oh, does Jovi have a family? Yeah, it goes pretty quick. Like she marries Buddy and has like a kid with him, but like we know...
1: You know what though? It's kind of old school in that way too, where they don't spend too much time on backstory. And i'm one of those people that when i want to immerse myself in a certain type of movie like i don't need motivation i don't need to spend like 20 minutes figuring out your backstory tim burton um i don't need it right (laughs) like don't do that to me like it's just Willy wonka uh it's you know it's just whatever like jovi falls in love with an elf that's fine you don't need the
0: jovi origin story Uh, people
1: I don't need the origin story like i just want yeah. i just want the emotions to be impactful and effective and i think they are somehow like we just want to know why her name reason. is.
0: Stupid. yeah
1: i mean that is bothering <laughs> me now so thank you so much
2: yeah well i did you know i just saw uh avatar to the way of water um <sighs> which is a full three hour and 20 minute you know just the complete opposite of like every single thing that we might want exposition about, we're going to spend a lot of time with, you know? (laughs) And um, although actually then there's some things that are just dropped in there that don't get explained at all. It's very uneven, the pacing. But yeah, just in general, I feel like everyone complains about how long movies are these days. And like, sometimes I don't mind it. It really works with some films. But a lot of times it's just like this. It's like, just get to the point. Just like, I don't care. You know, let's just go. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, especially for a holiday feel-good film. Like, you want to feel yeah. good. I'm not feeling good if I know somebody's tragic backstory. Um, <laughs> you can listen to our Love Actually episode if you want to dig in deeper into how I feel. Apparently on
0: TikTok, Love Actually is getting a death. backlash.
1: Well, it's about time, honestly. Yeah, it's
2: always getting a backlash, I feel like.
1: Yeah, I mean... cycles. Yeah, Yeah, but we can't... I can't do that again this year. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> This this is a much more, like, I will tell you that I didn't wear any of my Christmas gear to the Love Actually podcast. I definitely did today yeah. because health is something that I genuinely love because it, it. if you don't love this movie, like, I need to meet and understand you. If you can't feel something for this film, yeah, we got to chat. But, I mean, really, Mm -hmm. it's, like, it's got everything. Like, you want to listen to, like, some Louis Prima and some Ella Fitzgerald and some Eartha Kitt and all of the, like, Christmas classics. Like, it's going to hit you right in those feels. Uh, And it's just a a great story that can be appreciated by parents and kids, which is really nice. Now I sound like one of those, like, Christian movie councils.
0: (laughs) Except for the scene where Buddy drops his pants and Mary Steenberg
1: I forgot about that.
0: <laughs> you can tell that was from the Farley script. Yeah,
1: that's a holdover. <laughs> I mean, also the part where he gets, like, completely, like, lit on yeah. whatever bourbon booze in the mailroom. In the
0: mailroom, mail yeah. But so why does that cause the mailroom to call Walter Hobbs, that there's an issue in the mailroom and he's just dancing and they're all, like, clapping along? Like, why is that an incident What that... Should interrupt his. It did
1: seem like backpack. rather, yeah, it, it escalated very, very quickly. I don't know why mail would be the primary issue in that building.
0: Like yeah. the mailroom people aren't working, so that we need to get Walter. Or, or is well. it that they that
2: they know that Buddy is like that he sent him down there? So, I
0: don't know. It just seems like. A yeah. little bit of an extreme reaction.
1: Stop everything! The mail isn't going!
0: I mean, I guess they might have been scared that he was unionizing them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they're just anti-labor, is what it comes down to. Yeah.
0: There
2: is a line over there that I really like um, when he's talking to the other guy in the mail room and they're sort of, like, drunk and laying on the table, commiserating about life. And the guy who's clearly, like, in his late forties, early fifties. Um, but he's talking about the flow and his, his career or whatever. And he's like, and I'm I'm already twenty-six or something like that. It's just like a very funny visual gag that like I hadn't really noticed before.
0: And it just goes over a little parallel time. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, you're so young. Yeah. <laughs> Super happy the movie still held up and uh Despite my feelings of she and him and Zoe's post-elf career, um, I was still able to enjoy her in this film.
2: Yeah,
1: it holds up. It...
0: I liked her uh, elf getup at the end—the little pink, whatever. That little pink getup that she has with the, you know when she gives the baby. to. She thinks she's giving the baby to Bob Newhart, but then you Neil know, sits on his lap. Right. <laughs>
1: yeah it's a very sweet film yeah. um it, it will allow you to uh suspend yourself in a time where we didn't have so many different opinions on both zoe du chanel and botox full Farrell <laughs> and it's, it's very much like pre uh all of that so it's it's what yeah. a holiday movie should be it's the platonic ideal of a hollywood um holiday movie for me um i really want to know though because i have my answers you're wrapping presents you're drinking like a hot beverage what are the holiday movies or what is like the one movie that is your go-to for the season like what do you have to watch to scratch that itch?
2: i really am like my family was always like big on watching a christmas story and obviously like tbs would play it for the 24 hours and that so that is kind of a staple on my end um Although I just rewatched the Muppet Christmas Carol and that's like a, an absolutely mm-hmm. perfect film. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like one, a weird one that I go to every year is the um, Sophia Coppola directed Bill Murray Christmas special on Netflix from a few years ago. I don't know if you've seen that. Oh, I forgot about I that. I forgot about um, it, I
1: have seen it. I have seen it's it. It's kind
2: of weirdly charming. Um, so I usually end up watching that every year.
1: Good answers. I feel like I might have to revisit that one.
0: Yeah. Um, Charlie Brown Christmas for me. Yeah. Uh, We just showed the Mickey Mouse Christmas Carol to Zoe. I think the Muppet one is maybe a little advanced for her at this point. But Mm. that'll become part of the rotation soon. And then um, you know, I as I shared on our um our Patreon end of the year episode, uh the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special was pretty fun. Yeah. I don't know if I would watch it every year, but I enjoyed it. And that had a lot of great music. It had Scott of Wayne.
2: It did, yeah. And the the um um what should we call it? the why can't I I'm blanking on the name. Uh the Rip Miller band. Um Old 97s. Oh, yeah. The, the old ninety seven song is great in that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's got low. Rest in peace, Mimi Parker. Yeah. yeah.
1: Absolutely. But I'm glad
0: you, you got some Marvel money.
1: <laughs> Those are yeah. great answers. And I actually haven't seen the, the Galaxy special. I feel like that's something that I would enjoy. Um, for me, it's Elf. Mm-hmm. I think I've made that clear in this podcast that I'm like an Elf stand. <laughs> It's Elf. It is definitely Muppet Christmas Carol. I'm glad that we're all in agreement that that is, like, a perfect, but it's just a perfect holiday movie. No other Christmas Carol movie really needs to exist. Like, every time they remake it in live action, I'm like, did we need to? Because we have the Muppets. We're good. (laughs) Um, I think every movie should be Muppets and then, like, one live actor. I really believe that.
0: We can keep the classic Scrooge with uh, Ella Guinness and... Um, Albert Finney. Yeah. And I have to say that because we covered that in season one, so I can't say let's get rid of it.
1: Oh, no, I mean, it's great. <laughs> I'm think that there. i saying there should be no more new ones.
0: Yeah, anything post-Muppet anything Christmas. Anything post-Muppet, girl, Muppet, like,
1: we're good. Um, we have so many different great adaptations, but for me, the Muppets is the best. So it's that, it's Elf, and if nobody out there has seen it, uh, the Pee-Wee's Playhouse Christmas special.
0: Yes, I grew up on that. The Pee
1: Wee's Playhouse Christmas Special is the most bonkers, amazing, entertaining, unexpected, weird-ass Christmas artifact that you will ever watch. Um, It has everything from Charo to Grace Jones to Little Richard to, for whatever reason, Magic Johnson. Like whoever you imagine is going to be, like in it, right?
0: I I have a, a really funny story about this Christmas special. You know, so uh, I've been with my wife for about 10 years, dating, marriage, all that stuff. And, um, you know, Christmas would come around and, you know, we would hear Feliz Navidad, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I would sing along and I would go, I want to wish you and I'd go, A Merry Christmas. And she goes, why do you sing it like that? <laughs> and it's because that's how Charles did it on that Kiwi special. She rolls the R's in Christmas or Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. And she's like, "That's not how it sounds on the version we're listening. Why are you singing and rolling your Rs in Christmas and Mary?" And I was like, "It's probably because I learned it from Charo on the Pee Wee special."
1: Yeah, probably because like once you have seen the Pee Wee's Christmas special, you are both ruined and better for the rest of your life because <laughs> it is so great. It is kind of like the the thing that I end on every Christmas where I'm like in the last throws and I'm like still wrapping shit and I really want to just like have like a third hot toddy. That's what I put on. Because that thing is just the best.
2: Yeah, that's my girlfriend's favorite too.
1: It's the best. I'm so anytime I hear someone else knows it and loves it. I am like that that fills me with the Christmas spirit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is why we are friends.
1: totally the appreciation Needs to spread. Watch it, everyone.
0: So I'm not endorsing that they ever try to remake of. But Scott. Okay. If they were to recast Jovi. <laughs> but instead of an actor turned singer, what singer would you cast as Jovi? Wow. Okay. Well, well my first
2: thought is curly ray jepson because i think they actually have like a similar vibe her and zoe deschanel um and i've been trying i've been or not trying i have no power over this but i've been hoping i've been like uh, manifesting um curly ray jepson be cast in paddington 3 because her <laughs> um her and um uh what's her face god um Who's in the movie? Um, the Shape of Water. What is her name? Um, Sally... Sally. Sally. Yeah, Sally Hawkins. Hawkins. Her and Sally Hawkins look related. And so I want Carly Rae Jepsen to like show up in Paddington 3 as like Sally Hawkins' cousin or sister or something. So it's it's fresh in my mind. But I think she would do a good job as a Jovi.
1: I think that's an amazing answer. I, I feel like that could get greenlit. My mind. To like maybe like a Maya Hawk because she can sing Ooh, it and yes, she can yes. act and I don't know it, I feel like she's in the same kind of wheelhouse as Zoe but present day maybe
0: yeah
2: that's a but
1: good Carly Rae Jepsen really fits the uh, brief yeah do you have an answer for this Ryan I really want I to
0: know your answer I, I, I don't really have an answer for it I think my answer always goes to Janelle Monet by default, mm. oh. but I think she could, but she would be just as good of a buddy as she would have Jovi.
2: That's so
1: She'd have too much versatility, too much like exuberance. Yeah. She could just be both. Yeah. we just each, <laughs> like, costume changes is like a whole Victor Victoria thing.
2: Yeah. That'd be great. Yeah. That would be great. Um, Yeah there are a few other things just because there was so much that we got into. um, But we still, I just want to mention, we talked about it before we started recording, but Kyle gas in this movie, um, one half of Tenacious D the non Jack black half of Tenacious D he and Andy Richter being terrible at pitching children's book ideas. is so good. Um, Oh
0: gosh. The line about my top writers are pitching me that we hire another writer.
2: (laughs) (laughs) it's so good try Um, that at work nicole right (laughs) yeah
1: it's so good honestly like very much relate to like the poor struggling children's
2: yeah i also just want to mention quickly the score the original score um by who is it um sorry oh by john debney um the other day just totally unrelated to me recording this with you guys i had a friend who sent our group chat like a voice memo of this song that was stuck in her head and was like it's some sort of christmas thing do you guys know what this is and it was the soundtrack to elf it was like the john debney score oh, wow. um the sort of main theme so you know it's it's catchy it's memorable it's got a yeah of, it's great
0: it, i yeah. i did notice it on my rewatch um you know, because I think like the first 20 minutes while they're in the North Pole, they don't use any Christmas right. signs, it's all score, and it really yeah. adds to kind of the, the magical feel of of uh, the scene. You you're so set.
1: right. What an oversight totally. to not give a nod to that, because again, I think it hits that perfect sweet spot. It, so the fact that your friend like it's stuck in her head, I think is a testament to it's something subtle that fits the, the film yeah. but it's also very sticky and now is kind of like somehow intertwined with your notion of christmas
2: yeah um and then also there is a i have not seen it or listened to the songs but there is a musical version of Elf that was on broadway in i believe like 2010 maybe uh so maybe if they do make a remake with Maya hawk or whoever else they'll do the musical version and uh, we'll see.
1: Interesting. How, is it, Did it still, did it run a long time? I'm not, we're the worst Broadway baby. I, anything.
2: I think, yeah, I, I mean, it's one of those like seasonal ones, so I think it's come back to Broadway like a few times, and it's in the West End a few times, but uh, probably tours a lot, you know, I don't know. I've never seen it, so.
0: Yeah, I think I knew it existed, but I don't, think i see like regularly i don't think it pops up regularly i like the pantages Mm. or anything
1: well somebody i mean is due to topple the nutcracker you gotta do something else for like live entertainment right you know (laughs) there's room there's space
0: yeah yeah i'm surprised no one has said that uh the nutcracker suite is part of their like holiday traditions
1: it 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 wasn't for me probably because i grew up in orange county like we mentioned before we don't have a lot of culture here (laughs) <laughs> mm. you guys are nodding solemnly but it's it's half joking and it's half true <laughs> did not grow up with it
0: i think you have to be like in a certain tax bracket for that yeah i that
1: think you do too yeah, yeah it, it, certain like a uh, tax bracket and maybe certain geographies are a little bit easier to find um, a suitable production of the nutcracker
2: yeah yeah, I think I've only seen it live once when I was in college and they did it at my college. So
0: Yeah, it reminds me, uh I was I was talking to this girl and I was kind of interested in her and I was like, Oh, you know, like I like to go see like a lot of shows, whether you know, their concerts or, like, you know, the occasional musical or whatever. And she was like, I like the <laughs> ballet and I was
1: like well, <laughs> it's harsh friend. Right? Yeah.
0: But it, it was just like, oh, I, I just don't think I You were like the, the nutcracker line I'm is like, over there. Yeah. I'm in the pavement. Totally <laughs>
1: separate queues.
0: Uh full circle. Well, thank you, Scott, for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank
2: you yet. so much for having me and uh letting me rewatch ELF.
0: Yeah, we always love having yeah. you on. I love butchering your podcast name every time. It's you...
2: you know it's it... It's hard. It's hard out there. This is the greatest song I've ever heard in my entire life. Um, It's too many words
0: to remember. So all
1: all of them are great. Great title.
0: All of them (laughs) are great. Uh, When will you be back in 2020? I
2: don't think we're taking a break. So um, we're just going to go right through. Um, I'm not sure when this is coming up, but we will have like an end of the year special Sort of, you know, picking our favorite songs and albums of the year. Um, So maybe that's already out. Check it out. And then we're just diving right back in. So
0: keep moving. Yeah. Very cool. We will be back, I believe, in the middle of January with uh, Dave Zalatoros from Beer in Front. We're going to talk about The Sopranos. Cool. Very cool. And then we have a end of the year episode for our Patreon supporters, so you can go to patreon.com/soundtrackyourlife if you want to join that program. We would appreciate it. Um, and if you want to do something nice for us for the holidays, you could give us a five star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts.
2: Also do that for me. Yeah.
0: Very exciting. Thanks
2: so much for having me.
0: Thank you for being our guest. And have a have a happy holidays to you, yeah scott. you too
1: a wonderful way to end the year thank you scott thank you thanks for joining us this week on soundtrack your
0: life make sure to visit our website soundtrackyourlife.net where you can subscribe to the show on apple Podcasts or spotify while you're at it if you found value in the show we'd appreciate a rating or if you simply tell a friend about the show that would help us out too